So this is the day, Palm Sunday, that begins what we Christians call Holy Week. So let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Father, we ask your anointing on your word, on these words, on the ears and heart and mind of every hearer. In the name of Jesus, send your spirit. Amen. In Daniel 9, and you don't have to turn there, <clears throat> but the angel Gabriel came to Daniel with what we call the prophecy of weeks. Uh, there were 70 weeks. In hindsight, looking back, we know that that is 490 years. Now, the first seven weeks, or 49 years, were spent rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. This is found in the book of Ezra. That's what the book's all about, and Nehemiah. Ezra's commission from Artaxerxes Longjamanus, I'm glad I didn't have to say his name in front of him, the king of Persia, Persia was in the first month of the Jewish calendar, which is Nisan, or April. Same month as Passover. At the end of 62 weeks, according to Daniel 9, the anointed one would come. The Hebrew word for the anointed one is Mishiash, or in the English, Messiah. The Messiah would come in the month Nisan, the same month as Passover. So prophetically, exactly 434 years to the month Jesus rode in to Jerusalem, the anointed one of God. I wouldn't be surprised if it was to the day of the month. What are the chances? This was not a by-the-way, willy-nilly, hope-it-works-out type thing. This was a prophecy that had to be filled out to the letter on that day when Jesus rode in, what we call Palm Sunday. Now, there might be someone here who's thinking, yeah, but it's March. <laughs> the sacred Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, unlike our solar calendar. Just be clear, God said it was going to be this many years. Here we are. So this day that we call Palm Sunday is no accident. The anointed one of God, the Lamb of God, rode in to Jerusalem at the appointed time, the appointed place. This is a powerful day. Now, all through Jesus' ministry, he told people to be quiet about who he was and what he had done. All through the Gospels. Don't tell anybody what, that I healed you. And it's because it was not time for him to declare himself. But now, on Palm Sunday, that 434th Passover, the time had come for the king to declare himself. So we're going to look, new Bible. This is the maiden voyage. Let's see what it says in John 12. 
starting at verse 12. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called out Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. Seems to work all right. Much people. Now, I'm sure that this was quite a scene. I was sharing with uh, Charles Peterson before the service how we stood on that Mount of Olives and looked across at the holy city. What a sight. And here was Jesus People coming, carrying palms, spreading their clothes on the street. What a scene. And I believe it was totally spontaneous. I don't think there were flyers on the windows around Jerusalem saying, don't forget to show up at the Mount of Olives Sunday morning so that we can welcome the new king. People were compelled to meet this worker of miracles. Remember, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Anybody here seen that happen? Quite a big deal. They wanted to see this speaker of amazing things. And the one who didn't quite fit the religious mold. Now somewhere through the years we have lost some of that spontaneity. But these revelers were filled with joy and excitement and cried out, they shouted, Hosanna, which means Savior, or another definition is save us. Blessed is the King of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. Have you ever heard the saying that he who calls himself king is not king? But he who the people call king He is king. The people cried out, King, as he rode into Jerusalem. They called him king. Now, I'm not sure that the people even knew that they were quoting Psalm 118. It says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I don't think they were aware, according to verse 16, that Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. It was being fulfilled to the letter before their very eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon the foal of a donkey. You know, when a king entered into a city riding on a donkey, that was a, that was a political symbol. 
I come in peace. When a king rode in on a horse, that meant the opposite. I come for war. He is coming back someday. And Revelation 19 says he's coming back on a horse. That's for another day. Today he rode a donkey. By riding in on a donkey, Jesus declared himself to be the king. By the praises of the crowd recorded in all four of the Gospels, the people also declared him king. They didn't really understand, we read in verse 16, what was really happening until after the fact. Isn't it something how God works? How clear things look when we look back? In the eyes of the people and the disciples, it was a new day when he rode in. Things are going to change. Through their eyes, Israel was going to get out from under the boots of Rome to be free once again. Or perhaps it was, we're going to get out from under the yoke of our religious system the Sanhedrin, because they had everybody under their boots as well. Luke 24 says the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, they're talking with Jesus. They don't even know it's Jesus at the time. But one of them says, we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Man, everybody missed it. But I believe rooted in the heart of every human being is a desire to be free. Free from bondage. Whether we know it or not. Whether we'll admit it or not. We don't like being under the yoke. All the praises, all the honor, the exuberance offered to Jesus during this event only scratch the surface of who he really is. Jesus is much, much more than our words could ever describe. And he's worth praises way more than our language even could come up with. Philippians 2 says that his name is above every name. Every name. In Luke's gospel, the Pharisees, told Jesus, you need to rebuke your disciples for what they're, they're calling you the king. They're calling you that you're coming in the name of the Lord. Now, if you ever want to get under the skin of a self-righteous person, start praising someone else. It'll get them every time. <laughs> but the Pharisees told Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Don't let them say these things. And Jesus replied, if these should hold their peace, the very stones would immediately cry out. All the earth waited for this Savior, Hosanna, to come. The crowd, the disciples, all of mankind missed the true meaning of what was going on on that first Palm Sunday. Here's a little thing to think about. 
the mindset of man, meaning mankind, you're included, ladies, the mindset of man never seems to match the mindset of God. What we think, what we see, what we believe never quite matches what's going on in the heavenlies. Isaiah 50, verse 7. Isaiah 50 talks about the sufferings of the Holy One, the Anointed One. It says that Jesus would set His face as a flint for His mission, for why He came. Like a flint, hard, unmovable, unshakable, not going to the left or the right, He was on course. Let's think for a minute on what the anointed one saw through his eyes. He knew why he came. His eyes looked beyond the praises and the palms to his passion. These same voices who hailed him as king on Sunday would, as Joanne pointed out, by Friday be saying, crucify him, crucify him. The Lord Jesus Christ knew from before the foundation of the world that he would willingly lay down his life. That he would be the ultimate sacrifice for every sin that has ever been committed or ever will be committed. His eyes looked like a flint. He saw the excruciating, humiliating, unspeakable suffering that he would soon submit to. I cannot imagine. And yet this great event is called his passion. Now, you've probably seen the Mel Gibson film, The Passion of the Christ? What's so passionate about that? That's a terrible, terrible thing to witness. Yet it's called his passion. Why? Hebrews 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy that was set down before him. Now, just as the Messiah looked beyond the praises and the palms, he looked beyond the suffering of the cross. He looked ahead, his face like a flint. Right here, right now. He looked into the face of everyone under the sound of my voice to say, I love you. You are my passion. You bring me joy. You are worth more than everything to me. Come. Come, he said. 
enter into the freedom I offer you. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. What an amazing fact. The fact of the passion of the Christ for each one of us. Now, we can't be too hard on the disciples for not realizing what was taking place that first Palm Sunday or the crowd. We can't be too hard on ourselves either. Some people go through their whole lives not knowing or even wondering what this all means. The mindset of man never seems to match the mindset of God. It's a mystery. It's beyond my understanding. I like to say, it's a God thing. 1 Corinthians 2 says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world for our glory which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It says, God ordained this before the world. Think of that. Before he said, let there be light, he saw you and you and every one of us for our glory Now, what does that mean? Like we're going to be superheroes or something? No. Our glory. We get to share in the glory of Christ just by accepting who He is. Nobody knew this is why the, the Christ came. Only God. Only His anointed one. What Jesus saw as he rode into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday was not a mystery to him. And now in hindsight, it's not a mystery to us either. Or at least it doesn't need to be. When the people shouted, Hosanna, let's say that in English together. Savior, save us. They had no idea of the depths of the love and the riches of our God available to each one of us by saying those words. Save us. Amen. Hosanna. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. I am so grateful I don't have to figure this out on my own. I can read God's Word. I can comprehend what His message is. I can believe that great message of God's salvation to me. And I can also make it my own by saying, Save me. I want to respond to your passion, Lord. I don't understand it, but I'll take it. 
So here it is, Palm Sunday, 2018. The events we celebrate today are just as real and alive and relevant as they were on that first Palm Sunday. Because we have a living God. Holy Week is upon us. I challenge each of you to read from the triumphal entry between now and next Sunday through the end of each gospel. And then I want you to tell somebody what has been revealed to you. You can start in Matthew 21 or Mark 11 or Luke 19 or John 12 where we just read. Today we looked at Palm Sunday through many different eyes. Through the disciples' eyes, through the crowd's eyes, briefly through the Pharisees' eyes. But more importantly, we looked at Palm Sunday through the eyes of the Anointed One. That's who this is all about. Hopefully our eyes will see clearly from praise and palms to passion. His passion for each one of us and make it personal and fresh today. That is what the Messiah saw from the back of a donkey. You should see you from here. The little bit that I feel of love towards you, and, and it's a lot more than I feel towards a lot of people, is nothing compared to how, how God feels about you this very minute. He loves you with an undying, unmatchable love. You are his passion. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to make this real. I ask you to mold our hearts and our lives to match what you see and not what we think. I pray that you'd make your message new and fresh and clear in every heart in the name of Jesus.